On Parts Unknown, Anthony Bourdain helped us see the world with new eyes. From beautiful temples in Myanmar. My crew and I are among the first to record what has been unseen for decades by most of the world. To sharing meals with trailblazers on the Lower East Side of New York City. When was the last time you had something this good in your mouth? I know you eat well, but this is like... This is pretty incredible. Now you can revisit your favorite episodes right from your podcast feed. Anthony Bourdain, Parts Unknown. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. We are just weeks away from the start of one of the biggest events on any basketball fan's calendar, March Madness. Formerly known as the NCAA Division I Championship, it involves 68 teams and round after round of games, until finally one winner is crowned. Today, I've recruited a few key players to help give you the inside scoop on traveling for the games. I'm Nasreen Atassi, and welcome to Out Travel the System. I've brought two of my Expedia colleagues with me today, Alexis Tiaka Winchester, our USPR manager and Atlanta native. And of course, we can't talk about sports without our resident sports geek, Adam Francis, director of brand advertising. Hi, you guys. Hey, Nessie. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. All right, Adam, let's start with you. How big of a basketball fan are you really? Don't hold back. Uh, well, considering I'm sitting here talking to you and my Expedia lanyard is actually a 2016 NBA All-Star game tag that I took from the <laughs> game, uh, I'm a huge fan. I played it as a kid, watched pretty much any type, men's, women's, pro, college, you name it. Huge Raptors fan, uh, having spent most of my life in Toronto. Last year, after the Raptors won the title, I, on a whim, flew back for the parade and did a basketball road trip a year ago where we tried to get in as many basketball games as possible within sort of the Texas environment, we'll call it. Very cool. All right. Alexis, what about you? Are you a big basketball fan or just an Atlanta fan? I'm both, actually. I love basketball. I, too, played as a kid. I was also the varsity basketball manager at my high school. And then I took it up a notch and did PR and community engagement for the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. I mean, well, just since we're all sharing stories, I just wanted everyone to know that I played on the um, B team on eighth grade, and I scored two points all season long. So that's amazing. This that is pretty. I'm good. obviously the biggest star here. <laughs> what about college basketball? What is it about that that makes it so compelling to you? Yeah, it's really interesting because I think I'm almost a bigger college fan than pro, and I think some of it is because it's just such a unique ecosystem. You've got all of these different teams that have cultures attached to them because of the schools and the communities, and they have their own traditions. That's very unique. Um, you've got this do-or-die uh, situation for the you know the actual NCAA tournament, where one game and you're done, and you see these crazy upsets. So that really builds these really interesting narratives, and you have these epic stories of underdogs. Don't I know it? I was going to say, yeah. we'll talk about that a little later, yeah. I'm sure. Um, that, you know, sort of ascend the mountain and, and conquer over the traditional ruling blue bloods of college sports. And um, so that's really interesting. And then you also have this weird situation where a lot of these kids, it's their last chance to play 
at this level, a lot, you know, not a lot, most don't go on to play professionally. Yeah. So for a lot of these kids, it represents their last chance. Totally. And I think the fact that they are actually kids is what blows my mind because the athleticism that you see in this tournament is actually unbelievable. And I love just seeing how people just get so excited about it. And you would think it's professional level, but they really are actually just kids. And, you know, they're they're teenagers, some of them, you know, they're 18, 19 years old. So it's, it's unbelievable. But, you know, it's very clear as to why you're really not alone in this sort of fandom. Apparently there's an estimated 100 million people who tune in for the annual tournament with many others traveling to watch the games in person. You actually got a chance to interview a veteran sports journalist sort of about this phenomenon and about the energy and excitement behind the tournament. What did you find out when you chatted with this person? Yeah, I got a chance to talk to Mike DeCourcy to really put some perspective on the tournament. He's a senior writer for Sporting News, uh, and he's been an analyst for the Big Ten Network. So he really is steeped in college basketball, both in terms of coverage and attending, you know, the games live. So here's what he had to say about why people are so connected to college basketball. You have established brand names, established heroes and villains, depending on where you grew up and where you went to school, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina. So all this television out there, and you can see all these people a lot, and you can get to love or hate any of them. And then introduced to that are these improbable stories that crop up pretty much annually. And they don't always rise to the level of UMBC beating Virginia or Coppin State beating Texas back in the 90s. But there's usually some kind of flavor like that. And then they get a chance to find out, hey, wow, this is a great basketball team I had no idea about. I mean, that is 100% true, although I am actually a little bit disappointed that Mike didn't talk about the most infamous 2018 upset, which was the Loyola Ramblers. Adam, as you know, I am a Loyola alumni. And for those of you listeners who can't see, I'm actually wearing my Loyola Ramblers 2018 Final Four t-shirt, and I'm wearing it with pride. Thank you very much. But, I mean, just to recap, so in 2018, the Loyola Ramblers were by far and away the dark horse, and they just kept winning game after game after game, and everyone started to love them. I mean, it was probably Sister Jean, who, if you don't know who <laughs> Sister Jean is, then go and go and Google her and, and get on board. But um, the excitement and enthusiasm that I had was, for the first time ever, shared by the people around me. Like, everybody all of a sudden knew what Loyola was. They knew where it was. Everyone was asking about it. They were super excited for me. And I'm originally from the Chicagoland area and I live in Seattle now. So I was watching most of the games from Seattle. So it was really great to just start to have that camaraderie. In our college football episode of Out Travel the System, we actually broke down the difference between watching on TV and watching a game in person. Adam, how does this apply for March Madness, you think? Yeah, I think there's some similar traits. I mean, we talked about on the college football episode um, that being there live really adds a level of understanding in terms of things like the intensity of the contest. You get to experience the fans and especially what you just noted, which is uh, I find in college basketball in particular, you've got these hubs, these little cultural pieces, these ecosystems of students and their own traditions, their own chants, all these kind of things. And you get to experience that live. And that's something you don't get to the same extent watching on TV, obviously. (laughs) 
Coming up, we're going to speak to Alexis Tiaco Winchester and give you the inside scoop on traveling to this year's Final Four in Atlanta. But first, we want to encourage you to subscribe to Out Travel the System on your preferred podcast player. Check out some of our past episodes and pass us some of your travel stories on social media. We're at Expedia on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I think we've talked a lot about why to go and check out sort of the March Madness games and and the excitement and, and why people are such big fans. But let's get into the how a little bit. So a quick fun fact from Mike. This is pretty crazy. He's been to 32 Final Fours, 30 as a journalist, and two obviously sort of outside of that. So he's got a lot of experience. I mean, that's an insane amount. So we asked him about planning out a travel strategy for March Madness. He said it starts with figuring out which round you want to start with and what else you might want to do at your destination. If you look at the first round sites this year, I mean, you can go to Tampa and get a little sun, get a little spring training. It's pretty close drive to Clearwater Beach, a really nice place to be. Greensboro, you know, the heart of basketball country in the South, North Carolina loves the sport and you almost can't go wrong in the regional round. Here in Indianapolis, there's a famous steakhouse called St. Elmo's that everybody is aware of that has this famous shrimp cocktail that's really hot. And they have a related restaurant that is a little bit more low-key. That's my favorite place here in India. It's called Harry and Izzy's. We also talked a little bit about getting tickets to the games. Uh, Of course, Final Four tickets are going to be the hardest to come by. But it's definitely possible if you're willing to pay some of the aftermarket prices. Just make sure you're buying from a trusted source. Check NCAA.com. It'll have all the right ticket info that you need. And just go see where some of the games are being played and decide if there's a city you want to visit and maybe catch a game as well. Okay, Adam, so let's say that a lucky person has managed to get their hands on some Final Four tickets in Atlanta, or they don't have tickets to the game, but they just want to go to sort of be part of the crowds and feel the experience of being down there. What are some of your tips for getting the best deals from a travel perspective? Sure. Let's start on the flight side. So obviously, because uh, Atlanta's hosting the Final Four this year, it's much more expensive this year to fly in for that weekend versus last year. The one anomaly, though, that we found is instead of, say, a typical uh, weekend trip where you'd fly in on a Thursday or something, if you fly in on the Saturday, that's actually the cheapest rates that we're seeing right now, and you're staying till Tuesday, and even cheaper if you're staying and flying out on the Wednesday. So that's one way to maybe beat sort of the system. Uh, hotel pricing, we're seeing the same sort of uh, patterns as well. Okay, so the days that you are flying in and out are really what are going to help you get a better price, it sounds like. Absolutely. And of course, just keep an eye on things because that's what we're seeing right now and that may change. But as of now, that's definitely one way to maybe beat some of the crazy pricing. All right. Thanks for that, Adam. So I'm going to go ahead and sub in Alexis, who is our official Georgia peach and Atlanta expert. So, Alexis, for the listeners who are actually going to be heading down to Atlanta, what are some of the best places that you would recommend people go to catch the game if they don't have tickets? If you're in that non-ticket pool, do not stress, okay? Atlanta has so many great spots for you to watch the Final Four, and the city is really this hub for all things cool. So no matter where you choose to watch the game, you're going to have a really exciting time. Midtown, Buckhead, and downtown have some of the best sports bars in the city. These are all really centrally located, and some are even within walking distance to where a lot of the action is going to be Final Four weekend. Stats Brew Pub near Centennial Olympic Park, 
You can catch all of the games here while drawing yourself a brew from the beer tap at your table. But you'll definitely want to reserve a booth because this place is going to be jam-packed. Taco Mac is another great spot I recommend. This place has award-winning wings that you can get tossed in over 13 different sauces. They also take beer very seriously. I'm talking over 100 taps of craft and local beer. But also confusing that it's called Taco Mac. Yeah. Because I would have thought that you were going to go into like how good their tacos and mac and cheese are. They actually do have, you know, nachos and like Tex-Mex style, but they are like world famous for their wings. Yes. And the 13 sauces, like, come on. I feel like Atlanta's probably a place where they have some pretty amazing dishes. So if you yeah. have to eat one or two things, what's it going to be? Yeah, obviously Atlanta and Southern cuisine are pretty synonymous, right? Like I'm getting really hungry actually thinking yeah. about what I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> so even if you've never stepped foot in Atlanta, there's a good chance that you've heard of the Varsity. They've been serving up hot dogs and hamburgers since 1928. Presidents, celebrities, and tourists all make their way here, and it is like a world-famous restaurant. It's got this retro atmosphere, city skyline views from inside, and you can dine in or take away your choice. I also personally recommend that you get your fried chicken fix while you're in Atlanta. Old Lady Gang, which is founded by Candy from The Real Housewives. What? Yeah, her restaurant in The Castleberry Hill neighborhood of downtown has plenty of soul food classics like fried chicken, collard greens, mac and cheese, and they do an all-day brunch on Sundays. Very, very good. All right. So if you are going to be in ATL, the games are on Saturday and Monday. So depending on when you're flying in or out, you're probably going to have at least one day free to explore the city. So Alexis, tell us, what would you recommend to people who have just sort of one day? Yeah. So I personally think that no trip to Atlanta is complete without visiting Centennial Olympic Park. It is the centerpiece of Atlanta's Olympic legacy and dynamic downtown entertainment district. So this park is massive. It's over 22 acres of green space. There are structures left over from when Atlanta hosted the 1996 Olympic Games. And there's even a 200-foot-tall Ferris wheel called the Skyview Atlanta that you can get on. It's got AC-conditioned pods that you can ride comfortably in. And you get these breathtaking views of not only the park, but the Atlanta skyline. It's really, really, really nice. There's going to be a Final Four fan fest near the park. And there's also going to be a March Madness music festival in the park. I hear T. Swift is going to be performing. Some other local Atlanta artists. Yeah, it's going to be. And the concert and fan events in the park are going to be happening all weekend. So if you've got a day to kill, like this is where you're going to want to be. This is where all the action is going to be. Okay, Adam, I'm going to bring you back in now. I know you are super excited about this year's tournament. So I wanted to share with you some of the predictions for the final four teams. March Madness predictions, as you know, are notoriously hard, especially this early on in the season. But our analysts took a look at some of the predictions from SportingNews.com and some of the other sports analytics websites out there. They took a look at the data, and it looks like Baylor, Gonzaga, Kansas and San Diego State are predicted to be in the final four. 
What do you think about that? Well, it's fascinating. This is like a one of the weirdest years in college basketball that I remember in a long time because a lot of things are flipped over. You have teams that are traditionally really strong or at least constant tournament teams like North Carolina and Syracuse that are struggling or probably not going to make it. And then you've got a bunch of teams that don't usually make the tournament or win that have really jumped up. Colorado, St. Mary's, all these teams like that. Those four that you just named have had by far the most dominant regular seasons. What happens when the tournament comes? I mean, obviously, Loyola is probably going to win it all. (laughs) Um, But listen, it's anyone's game. We'll see what happens. We took a look at the teams that went to the Final Four last year and when ticket prices actually started to peak and when, you know, sort of search volume went up and things like that. So we also went ahead and cross-checked it with all of the departing airports for the currently projected Final Four teams. So if you are from Baylor, you'd be flying out of Dallas, Gonzaga, or Kansas and things like that. So your nearest airports, we took a look at some of the pricing trends and compared it with what happened with the teams who went to the Final Four last year. And it was all seemed exactly the same. So this is your one tip, everybody. If you are planning to go to the Final Four in Atlanta, make sure you book your flights within that first two weeks of March Madness. So this has happened for the last couple of years. The second the Final Four teams are announced, or the closer it gets to the Final Four, the price just gets higher and higher and higher and higher. But it seems to be totally stable until around mid-March. Thank you guys for joining me today on this episode of Out Travel the System, brought to you by Expedia. Thank you. Thanks. I'm your host, Nisreen Atassi. Happy travels. <laughs>